Welcome to my podcast, D Sharp Thoughts, a podcast about strong women with some sharp thoughts and great inspirational stories. I'm Diana Sharp, your host, an empowerment and resilience coach for women. Today's episode is brought to you by D Sharp Coaching Services. We work with women to help them gain greater clarity around their purpose, redefine their goals, rediscover their voice, create new goals, and execute in a more strategic way through our personal development and career coaching services. Most women will admit that there's nothing like having a good girlfriend who's more like a sister, someone you can share the most intimate details of your life with, someone you can cry with, someone you can laugh with, celebrate wins with, someone who inspires you with their own story of grace, courage, and strength. Today, I'll be talking to one of our inspiring sisters who is on the other side of the world and making her mark in the field of education, writing, and leadership, Sandy Heron. Sandy Heron is the author of Journey into the Unknown, finding the courage to move from where you are to where God wants you to be. In her book, she shares her journey from Jamaica to living and working in Japan and all the challenges that she had to overcome to pursue what she deeply felt was her divine calling. Sandy is a graduate of the University of the West Indies Mona campus with a bachelor's degree in English literature and cultural studies. She now works as an assistant language teacher at a high school in Tokyo. She's passionate about hearing, capturing and sharing the stories of people all over the world. She does this on her YouTube channel at Sandy Heron. Welcome to my podcast, Sandy. How are you doing? I am doing great. I'm very happy to be joining you today, Diana. Thank you for having me. It is my absolute pleasure to have you on my podcast. Earlier today, I joined a live that Sandy had with um, Tiffany McBean, just creating space for other published authors and just providing such invaluable information about how to overcome your fear and how to publish your book to make an impact. Impact, Sandy, I think you were amazing. Thank you for being a thought leader. Thank you for being an expert and for sharing your expertise with us so generously. I really, really appreciate you and the work you do. Um, joining Diana. I was so happy to see you. It was yeah. so good to see you. Absolutely. It was my pleasure. Sandy, can you tell my listeners who's Sandy behind the profile of author and now educator in Japan? How do you define yourself? Okay. Well, hello, everyone. My name is Sandy Heron. Now, Diana has asked a very good thought-provoking question. Who is Sandy behind the profile? So I am from Jamaica. I, I was born and I grew up in um, Seaview Gardens. That's an inner city community in Jamaica, in Kingston. I am the first daughter of three children for my mother. I'm actually the firstborn sister. And I enjoy writing, I enjoy traveling, and I enjoy making smoothies. <laughs> and um, I have one little dog his name is Jackson who I miss very much so yes Sandy that's amazing I love traveling and I love making smoothies too that's just so cool we have that in common and also we have um, studies in common I did a very similar degree to yours at the University of West Indies 
um, in literatures in English and political science minor. So mm -hmm. it's great to connect with you on those levels. What are your passions, your likes, your uniquely you traits, the things that make you Sandy? And what is your purpose? What is my purpose? What makes me uniquely Sandy? Wow, these are some powerful questions, Diana. Um, things that I enjoy. I like um, reading. Yes. I love reading books from as far back as I can remember. I've always been reading. And I was always that little girl who would be in a room writing in my journal. I've always been a thinker. So, yes. um, so many years I was caught up, even now, in my own thoughts. I'm very observant, so I, I enjoy, you know, looking at my world yes. and trying to analyze, okay, why is this happening? What is this about? Um, so I really enjoy doing those things. Um, I believe a part of my purpose is to help to inspire and empower others yes. who I come in contact with. And it's for that reason that I enjoy speaking to other people from different cultures, different religions. And I, I feel so, so good when something is shared, like it's like a nugget. Whenever someone shares something with me that I consider to be powerful, there is always that prompting in me to capture exactly what it is that they're sharing that is empowering to me to share it with others so I can empower them as well. So I really believe that my purpose lies within that. And there are different ways in which it manifests, whether I'm speaking or I'm writing a story or um, by different avenues. Spoken like a true storyteller, a true narrator, <laughs> somebody who knows the power of the oral words, right? Oral language, um, just the way that it can shape the lives of others. Thank you so much, Sandy, for sharing that. And how did you unearth and develop these gifts and traits? How did you discover books? Who introduced you to this fascinating world of books and stories? Um, and just using your words just to rewrite and reshape your life. Okay, so when I think about um, books, I remember when I was younger, I would always see my mother scribbling in a book. So I really think that I got that gift from my mother, even though she had not progressed to becoming an, a published author. But I remember when I got home from school, like she would get one of my books and she would always write poems at the back, nice. always writing a story. And interestingly, I never made the connection because during my childhood, I would find myself doing those very same things. Wow. So where I was living at the time, it was a very volatile community. And there were several things that happened um, during my childhood. You know, there was violence. There was, I would see like teenage pregnancies, all yeah. sorts. And I would observe these things. And so many things were of concern to me, but I never had an avenue to share Right. to say oh you know mommy this is how I feel and I saw this why does this happen and so from as far back as I can remember I had a journal yes and so I, I just continued writing also when I went to school I remember in primary school my favorite subject was comprehension <laughs> and I remember my English teacher would have us write these stories myself as a coin yes. myself as a shoe 
and I would be able to just get wrapped up in my imagination, imagining what would happen to the shoe, what would happen to the coin. And I, I love that. And so I think at that point, it was where those gifts started to be developed. And then when I moved on to high school, again, my favorite subject was English. Even when I was failing other subjects like math, I'm not sure who can relate, but. <laughs> I can, I can, yeah. I, you know, I struggled in math, yes. but even I would struggle in math, I would struggle in like computing, but when it got to English class, oh my goodness, wow. It was almost as if the world opened up. I enjoyed writing essays and enjoyed writing stories and I enjoyed reading books and having to do a critical analysis of something that I had read. And so I excelled in that. I got a distinction in both, both literatures in English and I got a distinction in language. Amazing. And I continued at the University of the West Indies. So I think at different levels of my journey, it was like one layer upon another upon another. It was just something that I loved. And um, Sandia here is sharing some powerful nuggets that we can take away. One of the things was you were living with your own hero. So, so oftentimes we look for it outside of our homes, but you were living with someone who was gifted in writing and who was journaling her own thoughts and writing poems in the back of your book. And for you, that would have left an indelible mark because you're seeing it. And that's what representation looks like. We can model the things that we see. And then you were also seeing some other things around you, things that you never knew how quite how to express them or even had an avenue to express them to her. And for you, that was providing content and things that was just downloaded into your spirit that you could now use later on in terms of your journaling and your writing experience and to help others. Um, and then those amazing stories that you'd have written in primary school. And I think high school, because I was in high school when I wrote myself as a goat. So I really? was at Woolmers, yes. It was at Woolmers that I wrote myself as a goat, myself as a goat and, you know, all of that experience and the short stories that we were required to write and the poems and the essays. Um, that was simply amazing. And you honed your skill, you owned your talent. What inspired your journey of becoming an, um, of moving to Japan and becoming an educator? Why an assistant language teacher? Okay, so my journey to Japan is one of the biggest surprises that has happened along my path. Um, I had no intention to move to Japan, Diana. Yes. I, I, I was settled in my career in Jamaica. I was working as a paralegal for many years. I had enrolled at UA to do a second degree, do a bachelor's of law. Right. And because um, I wanted to excel in that area, I had purchased the house, I had a car, I had a love interest. And so my life in Jamaica was settled. So I had no intention in my early 30s to pack up and move halfway across the world. Wow. And not only halfway across the world, like you, the USA or Canada, but to a country where I could not even speak their native language. Absolutely. Separated yeah. by culture, language, time. There's a time difference, distance, yes. um, everything. There's so much that is so different about where you are and where you're coming from. So take us back to that time. How was it? How was the concept introduced to you? What was that journey like? What were some of the challenges? Yeah. Okay, so I would say it was birth out of my spiritual journey. Yes. When I got to age 25, I started going to church. 
And I said to myself, I had gotten to that place where I said, you know, I am tired of doing things my own way. Yes. I, I, I want to do something different. I, I'm done with the parties. I'm, I'm done with different things that I was doing at the time. I said, I need to make a shift. And I started going to church. And it was when I started going to church that I was introduced to the concept of purpose. Yes. You know, I had never been introduced to that teaching before. Yes, I had dreams. Yes, I had heard about people who were successful, but I had never listened and heard someone say, talk about purpose, to say that we each have a purpose, that there is something that we are all here on this earth to accomplish. And my pastor at the time, he was saying that we need to pray to God to ask him what our purpose is. What does he want us to do? Where does he want us to go? And so I started doing that. I went on 21 days of fasting and it was specifically for that. And I would pray and I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Where should I go? Interestingly, one night while I was in my room, I was sleeping and then I just woke up and I had a pain in my stomach. And I just, I was on the floor and I was crying and my sister made some tea for me because, you know, I had this pain. When I went back to bed, I kid you not, Diana, it was almost as if, not almost as if, there was a small still voice that said to me, you will be going to Middle Eastern Asia. You will be going to Japan. Wow. That is, that is the first time that it really came in my spirit about Japan. And what I had started doing is that I started keeping a journal for my dreams because one of the reasons I even ran to church is because I was having all these dreams and they were confusing. Like some of them brought about confusion. Some of them wow. brought about fears and I didn't know how to interpret these things. Wow. And so I started writing the dreams down. And so I woke up in the morning, I wrote down the dream, but then I also went to Google, (laughs) Professor Google, and I Googled, okay, Japan, where is Japan? You know, what is the population? What is the religion like? Because I like to research and and I I like to read. And that is how it first started. And then, but that rested, I never pursued it until years later when I was settled in my career, when everything was going good in my life, I got to a place in my job where I felt as if my time had come to a close. You know, almost as if you hit the ceiling. You become uncomfortable. You become uncomfortable where you are. Yeah. 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 So all along every day I was getting up, I was doing my nine to five, wearing my stockings and my heels with my nice handbag. (laughs) And I was, I was okay. I was happy. And then I got to a place where it just didn't feel like this was a place where I was meant to be anymore. And I was at this crossroads because I was struggling. I was like, okay, I need to grow in my career. So I embarked on the journey to study law so I could become more qualified. But then at the same time, there was another, I felt like there was something else that was calling me. And at the time I could not really understand. And so I got to praying again about all the things that I was feeling at the time. And again, I had another dream. And in that dream, I saw myself in Japan. Wow. I saw myself walking down the street. I saw myself talking to people. Someone in the dream showed me where Sandy lives. 
Um, oh my God. You were talking to me like, will you remember me? All of these things I saw children playing all around me. And so when I woke up that morning, I shared the dream on Facebook because I felt so excited. And I had this sense of peace, like, wow, last night I saw myself in Japan. And someone commented and said, Sandy, the Lord always has unique ways of talking to you. Yes, he does. That is when it was almost as if a light bulb went off. And I said, wow, could it be that God is trying to talk to me to say something? And so I reached out. I remember there was this girl who did my first degree with me. Yes. And I asked her, I saw she had pictures online in Japan. I just asked her, I said, how did you get there? Wow. And she told me she applied to teach. About a week later, she sent me the link, the website for a company that was hiring. And I just put in the application. I started the process and then I was successful. And then in March, 2018, I rented my house, sold my car. I had resigned from my job. I had withdrawn from the academic studies and I moved. Wow. And so that is how my journey in Japan started. Sandy, that's an amazing, amazing story. We're gonna talk more about it when we talk about your book, but that's a simply amazing. What I heard you say was there was a level of discomfort. You were uncomfortable and God used that to disrupt your life. To remind you of a vision he gave you, I think, some seven, five years before. Um, and just to remind you of the promise that he has made. And you were faithful. You sought him in prayer. And then you also took some action too. You did some research and you reached out to find out how could I activate this dream. And like that, you activated your, your vision with actions. And you really trusted in God to direct you where you should go. That is simply amazing. How important was your faith? And friends, you know, the bond you have with friends um, and just your community in making this transition to Japan. What was that like? How important were my friends, my community? And your faith, yeah. Well, let's talk about the faith first. Yes. So I was moving from the known, everything yes. my family plays, my comfort zone, into something that was so unfamiliar to me right I had never been to Japan before totally new culture totally new language totally different beliefs and so my faith was very instrumental in that I don't think if I was so grounded if I had not been so grounded in my faith the process would not have been so easy right and I remember when I was moving to Japan yes I, I cried when I was at the airport and I was telling my younger sister goodbye. That was very emotional for me. But then even as I was in the, the, I was getting ready to board, as I was moving through the different borders, there was a sense of peace that was with me that I would be okay because of my faith. Believing that if God led me on this journey, then he would provide for me. Then I would be okay that he actually would have gone before me to make the way. And so my faith was very instrumental in helping me to make that step. You spoke about friends. When I was getting ready to move, I didn't tell everyone. Okay. I, I understand. I, I understand and I respect that. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes when you're making some big moves and God is taking you somewhere else on your journey. It's important. There are many times throughout the Bible where we see that where a miracle is going to be performed or something major is happening and God takes the person on a mountaintop by themselves, in a desert by themselves, in a valley 
by themselves in a room without the doubters and without everyone else. I respect that and I appreciate that. That's very, very powerful. And I'm happy that you added that, that Diana, because it's true. And I think a lot of times as we're making that journey in faith, we take that for granted. Yes. We're like, oh, I want to buy a house. I'm going to buy a car. I'm going to pursue this or that. And we, pl- we put it all over social media. Yes, yes. We invite everyone into the process. And then we wonder why when we get to a particular stage of the journey, why our faith starts to diminish. Yes. And it's because we just invite too many people into the process. And so when you talk about friends, I was very strategic in who I told. And I shared what I was about to do only with friends who I knew could believe with me. Wow. Other That's... faith walkers who I could say, I'm going to do this. And they wouldn't say, well, are you, you really want to sell your house and move? You really want to do that? Yes. But people who understood my faith and the journey that I felt led to go on. And Sandy, that's an important point. And I really want to just thank you for sharing that. And let's just take a moment to reflect on that. Depending on where you are, not everybody, well, oftentimes, people are not going to understand the vision that's inside of you. It's like a mother who is pregnant. She alone carries the baby and bears that burden and that joy and that blessing that's inside of her. She knows the travail. Um, She knows everything, the movement, the kicks, the ups, the downs, the nausea, the anticipation. Only she knows what she's carrying and how precious it is. And oftentimes, people can't identify with that. And just like a mother wouldn't give her newborn to a stranger, that's often what we do when we put out our dreams and our plans on social media. We hand over our newborn to people, hoping that they'll take care of it delicately. And many people want to, but they can't. They don't have the capacity. So it's important that as we go through life, we identify our faith walkers and our destiny helpers, the people who are closely aligned to our vision and to our purpose and who really can understand the weight and the gravity of what God has given you, the assignment. Because it's not an easy one and it's not a light one uh, when you have a calling upon your life, especially a calling to go somewhere else around the world and be a light, to be an inspiration to others. That's not easy. That's a heavy responsibility that God is entrusting Sandy with. And he knows he can trust you, but he wants you to be careful with that. And I think that's just so important that when we're doing business, when you know, we're establishing partnerships and relationships, um, when we're doing new ventures, we're careful who we invite into that space. Thank, Sandy, thank you so much for sharing that. I really, really appreciate you saying that. Um, thank you. Um, as, as, you, as you got ready to write about your book, lots of things came out, lots of inspiration, lots of courage, lots of lessons, um, and it's a part of your title, but how do you define courage, and how did you find it and harness it to make this big life transition to move to Japan? What does courage mean to you? Courage, wow. Courage for me is just overcoming any obstacle that, may, that you may face as you set out to pursue something that you want to do. Right. Moving forward without being afraid. Yeah. So as you were getting ready to go to Japan, there were days when you doubted whether this is really for you. Um, you had the house. You were pretty accomplished. You were doing well. You were steady. You were stable. And you're going into the unknown. What were some of the practical things and even the spiritual things you did to build your courage? 
Um, I heard you or said earlier that you prayed and you fasted and you sought God time and time again. And one of the practical things you did was the research. What were some of the other things that you did to build your courage? To build my courage. I think with courage, courage becomes easier, a, a little bit easier for me when faith is involved. And, and by that, I mean strong faith. So I, I never, I really trusted, I really believed that that was the direction in which I was to go. It's very hard for me to make a decision, Diana, when I am unsure. Yes. When I am double-minded, when I am between two opinions, it is so hard for me to choose. But after I go through that process of praying and, and seeking confirmation that this is where I'm supposed to go, if that comes, then that is when I am able to run nonstop and move <laughs> boldly. Yes. So my boldness, that courage, it comes out of that. That is where it comes from, from that faith. Um, so practically, I did the research. I reached out to other people who I saw who were in the place that I wanted to be, you know, to hear what has the experience been like for you? What are some of the things that I need to look out for? How should I prepare before I come there? Absolutely. Okay, Jamaica only has one season, but Japan has four what sort of clothes do I need to purchase? For example, okay, I'm leaving home. What were some of the things that you brought with you? You know, should I bring some curry? Yes. <laughs> I how bring much, some browning? <laughs> how much saving you need? You know, that's, that's some of the, and, and you're making an important point. So wisdom is important. What are the seasons? How do I dress for them? And savings. How do I prepare financially for this move? Were you adequately prepared? Do you think there were things you could have done differently? Yes, I think I was adequately prepared. Um, I think I was adequately prepared. I sold my car and the proceeds from that is what I used to help me with the transition. Also, just like you said, you speak to other people. When you yes. check out, okay, how much do I need to, am I gonna book my ticket for, for my flight? What are my apartment setup costs? Okay, and then until I get my first paycheck, how can I live? What are the utilities like? Yes. How much is it for groceries for a week? Yes. And so I, I, I checked those things. Now when I look back, I realized that I could have saved so much money <laughs> because I think I over-prepared. And when yes. I got to Japan, man, I spent so much, <laughs> much more than I, need, I had needed to spend. It happens. Um, yeah. And sometimes we're excited and it's a new place. It's novel and we want to enjoy it, soak it all in and just take in as much as we can of the culture. What has it been like living in Japan? What are some of the things you wish you knew before going? Whether it's just cultural um, innuendos and little small things about um, the country. And what are some of the hidden gems and blessings that you have discovered along the way that you never quite anticipated. Okay, so let's talk about the hidden gems first. Okay. So I'd like to share this. I'd like to share the first part of my experience, yes. which I think my first year was my most authentic experience in Japan. Now I live in the big city, I live in Tokyo. Yes. But before I came to Tokyo, I lived in the countryside. You spoke about it, people telling me about a remote area in Canada. Yes. I went to a very rural area in Japan, a little town called Kakoda. And it was there that I was able to connect with different Japanese people 
older people who took me under their wings who said, you are my daughter. I am your Japanese mama. Yes. <laughs> who Hidden gems who took me to have experiences like going to an onsen yes. or going to have ramen at a traditional ramen restaurant or taking me to have my first tea ceremony or taking me to watch fireflies. So those are some of the unique experiences that I had in, um, in the first year that I came to Japan. What I wish I knew, it's the same thing. Sometimes you reach out to people and they make you feel so fearful. Yes. When people were telling me about winter, for example, they made it seem as if I was going to die. <laughs> <laughs> like Japan is so cold. But then when I, when I started going through the experience on my own, I realized that it wasn't as tragic as people were making it out to be before. And so I think if I, if I knew that, then I could have relaxed a little bit more and allowed myself to just go through the process with more joy and more ease. Wow, beautifully said. Um, what has your overall experience been? More than you anticipated it would be? Just about what you thought it would be or um, just okay? No, it has been a lot more than I thought it would be. When I look at it, no, it's been three years. And I know that a person that I am right now, yes. it's not the same person I was when I left Jamaica. Oh. Like I have grown so much. I have learned so much. Um, I have made friends with people from all over the world. And I know that all of those things that I have seen, that I have experienced, those things have helped to shape who I am right now. And those are the things that, those are some of the things that I will take with me forever. So it has been a lot more than I experienced, uh, that I, than I expected. Right. And I want to add as well is that before I came here, I mean, about 1% of the Japanese people are Christians. Yes. So the religion is Shintoism, Buddhism. Um, there are many shrines, many temples. When you walk at the side of the street, you might see a shrine with a God inside of it, a statue. And before I came to Japan, people would be of the view that, you know, you're going to this place now where a lot of people would say it's not of God. Yeah, or it's godless, or God or is not there, or God, God is, is not, but he's everywhere. And I saw you made a post about that. So go ahead, Sandy. Diana, you yes. hit the nail right on the head. People would think that God is not there. This is a godless nation. Yes. And when I came to Japan, that was one of the things that I struggled with. Like, God, how do I find you in this place? Because I had never experienced God before outside of my church. Wow. It was the only place that I knew that God existed by sitting in the pews, wow. hearing my pastor preach, having my Christian friends. I had never experienced him before. So one of the fundamental things that has happened on this journey is that by going through this period of separation and isolation from everything that I knew, God has just shown himself in a completely different way. And it's just like you said, I have come to the realization that God, the presence of God is everywhere. Wow. And we just take him with us. Amazing. There's just so much in your story that resonates with me. Um, as I got ready to come to Canada, I came in 2015. 
It was around about the time when the US um, passed some laws that um, made certain changes as it relates to marriages and how unions could be formed. Um, values that directly conflicted with our Christian values. And Canada was already way ahead and, and, and it already had these laws for a longer time. But because the US did it, there was no an uproar in Jamaica about all the countries that were passing these laws. And I remember when I said I was coming to Canada, person says, how could you? That was another question I was asked too. As going to a church in Jamaica as baptized, um, as walking with God. And I always tell people, even when I share and I testify here in my local church, I had a strong relationship with God. I loved God. Um, and I had good, solid faith. But let me tell you something. I think I loved people more than I love God. And I think I love the crowd and the excitement more than I love God. Honestly, I did. I was everywhere and everything for everybody. Um, and I was always socializing and I was just so popular. And just imagine somebody being so popular and just being so engaged in everything. I didn't do the parties, but we did the hangouts. We did the games night, we did the dinners, we did the this and that, but it was just my focus. Did God have my attention? And what was my relationship really like with him? And when I came to Canada in a country that people would say, the mourner God is not promoted or that one God is not promoted. This is where my faith was solidified through a period of separation and isolation in a place where I had no friends, in a place where most of the people didn't look like me. I found a home, I found a church, I found faith, I found relationship and just everything that God has brought me through. Seasons of underemployment, employment, <laughs> unemployment, so many challenges. He has to show me that I am the source and everything you need is inside of me and I am present with you wherever you go. And I think oftentimes we just don't know that and we forget that. And it's just so interesting that you said you were a Christian, but you saw God only in your church, just in the pews, the messages that were, were preached on Sunday. But what was your lived experience? Now you're in Japan and you're living it day in, day out. Recently, a pastor shared with us, we were having a conversation and he was just asking us to evaluate um, our relationships with God and how we felt we were doing. And some person said, you know, I wasn't reading the Bible enough, or I wasn't praying enough, or fasting enough. And he said, do you believe there are points at which you're not a Christian? Do you believe there are points at which you're not saved? So like when you go to work, are you saved? And he says, you're saved always. You're a Christian always. So it's a lived experience. So let's just say you're on the job and you're taking care of people. It's an opportunity to pray. It's an opportunity to minister. It's an opportunity to be kind. Maybe you can't pray on the job, but you can, you can, you can demonstrate Christ in the way that you live and the way that you walk. And so when tough situations come, it's our faith that walks us through those. And it's our living faith and knowing who God is. Um, so I just want to encourage somebody today. I don't know where you are. You could be in Australia. You could be in New Zealand. You could be in the UK. You could be in Jamaica. You could be in Cayman or Grenada. God is present everywhere you are. And thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing, Sandy. What do you value most about being an assistant, English um, assistant language teacher in Japan? What do I value most? Yeah. Um, I never settled to embark on that journey. Like it wasn't in my path to, to become a teacher, to be in the classroom. 
And there are times when I am even at the front and, you know, I have to read every single day. I have to read to the students. And sometimes I look around and I see all these Japanese students looking at me. And sometimes I have to pinch myself like, wow, I cannot believe that I am here. I cannot believe that this is, this is actually happening. And um, what do I value most? I guess it would just be interacting with the different students Yes. that I would not have had an opportunity to interact with otherwise. Yeah. Um, sharing with them things about me every time I get an opportunity to share about my culture, I value that. A lot of those students, they have never come into contact with black person before. Yeah. Um, sometimes one of my pet peeves for being here is just how people of color are presented, for example, in the textbooks. Yes, That's something that I, I struggled with tremendously. And so it helps if you're able to be there as a representative that is different from, you know, maybe something that they see in the media or something that they see in books. So I value that. Absolutely amazing. I think that's just so good. Um, so you, you value the interaction you have with them, the ability to share your own story. Um, and no doubt, I know you're changing lives and to be a positive representation of what it means to be a person of color. And um, thank you so much for sharing that. What's one thing you're going to take away with you if and when you do move on um, and continue your journey elsewhere? One thing that I will take with me to trust seasons of separation yes I never understood it before but I understand it better now and to understand that oftentimes it is when we are separated when we are moved away from the noise that God is able to birth something new and something powerful in our lives wow I'll never forget that I will keep that with me and to also know that the place of separation or isolation is a place of strengthening. Yes. Now, when I look back on my journey, I see how valuable those seasons were. Yes. And it's something that I, I cannot forget. That's just, that's just so beautifully said. I can't add to it. Um, to trust your season of separation, simply beautiful. Sandy, you recently became an author in 2020. What was the writing journey like for you? What were the feelings you had as you wrote each chapter? And tell us more about your book. Okay, so my first book, Journey into the Unknown, finding the courage to move from where you are to where God wants you to be. Interestingly, Diana, I started writing this book before I left Jamaica. So when everything had happened, I embarked on a prophetic course at a church in Kingston. And why I went there is that I wanted to learn the same thing about dreams again. I wanted to learn how do I interpret my dreams? Why am I getting all these dreams? Am I going crazy or is this one way in which God is speaking to me? And so I went there. And while I was there, we had to pair up with different um, participants and pray for each other and to say to the other person what we sensed the Lord was saying. And while I was going through that, the person who was praying for me said, Sandy, I sense the Lord saying that there is a book that you need to write. And so it started there. And she says, and afterwards she said to me, Sandy, the Lord says that I should help you to write your book. 
And when I got home with that thought, I said to myself, what am I supposed to write about? <laughs> I don't know what book to write. And so, but it, a week later, this time I had already um, um, resigned from work. I was going through the process. I was about to move to Japan. About a week later, I was just at home and this thought came to me that I should write about what was going on in my life at that time. Right. And what I had just gone through, the process of resigning, the process of withdrawing from school, and also everything that I felt, all the fears, all the doubts, how I was struggling. And then I sent the manuscript to the same person, and she read it and she said to me that I needed to include lessons. Yes. That the readers could take away from what I was presenting. And I thought that my story was completed, Diana. Yes. <laughs> I said, I don't have any more lessons to add. And so I put it on hold and I said to myself, when I, when I, when I got to Japan, then I would complete the story. When I got to Japan, I told you I went to live in the countryside and I had the task of learning a new language, adapting to a new culture. I remembered nothing about this book. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, I just, I just continue. I had this new journey and I had to go through day by day. Now, two years later, as I was in Tokyo, I had moved to Tokyo. As I was stepping out of a train, the, I have a little still voice, the same voice that spoke to me the very first time to tell me that I would be going to Japan. I heard this still voice say to me, Sandy, you should write a book. And it was at that time that I remembered I had started the book before I left yes. Jamaica. And so I continued writing. And as I was writing, I realized a question that I was asked before, you know, what are the lessons? I realized that all the lessons that I needed to include in the book were wrapped up in the two years experience that I had in Japan. Wow. And so I, I like my perspective was widened and I, and I saw how I felt in Jamaica and, and also how much I had grown and how much I had learned since that time. And so I just continued writing at the time um, when I started COVID happened and all the schools in Japan around March, 2020 were closed. And so from March, April, March, April, May, three months I had at home and I had time and I used that period to complete the story to share. What an amazing story of growth. <laughs> what an amazing story of just a change in perspective, getting new lens. Sandy, oh my God, like I'm just so intrigued by your story. So inspired. You started this, you started your process of writing in Jamaica. And you were writing from the experience of just where you were, the emotions, the feelings, the challenges. And as you said, you thought the story had ended. And oftentimes that's how we think. We think very close and in just within this lens. And then God takes you to another part of the world. You're now a citizen of the world. You're a citizen now living in Japan, experiencing life, different time zone, different culture, different language different idiosyncrasies and things happening. And, and while that's happening, you're growing, you're maturing, you're experiencing more grace, more courage, more resilience, more compassion, more love. And this is widening your lens and widening your perspective. And so the book was birthed. Um, 
tell us just a little bit more and where can we get copies? Where okay. can we get copies? What are some of the lessons, um, just even one, um, that you really want us to just get from this book or, this, or what are the, one of the nuggets? Um, and where can we get your book? Okay, so one of the main things that I learned throughout the process, especially when I was in Jamaica, is that God speaks to us in different ways. Yes. So, and that is one of the things that I shared in my book because I went through that. So at first I thought that how God spoke to us was, yes, you go to church, your pastor delivers, delivers a message and that is God speaking to you. Yes. Throughout my journey, I realized that there are multiple ways that God speaks to us. He speaks to us through dreams. There are persons now who are listening to the podcast and there is a message that is within this podcast that God is using to deliver to them. Yes. Something that they need to hear an encouragement. And so that is one of the things that one of the biggest nuggets, you know, that I, I wanted to share with others that God speaks to us in different ways. And it's just for us to pay attention to the different ways that he tries to communicate and that became even more poignant when I came to Japan, when everything was removed. It's yes. like, okay, you're not going to church now. You're in a rural area. All you're hearing is konnichiwa, <laughs> ohayo gozaimasu. So it's like, even with the absence of language and everything you're familiar with, okay, how does God communicate now? Yes. And so this is one of the things that I learned and that I shared with others. Awesome. So the book is available on Amazon on all platforms, um, journey into the unknown, finding the courage to move from where you are to where God wants you to be. It's also available at York Pharmacy in Jamaica, in Kingston. And then of course I have copies here in Japan for Jamaicans who are here or Japanese people who speak English. Awesome, sounds good. Um, what's your number one goal as an author? What do you hope to achieve? Okay, so after going through the first um, the first writing and publishing process, the one thing that has been birthed in my heart is to help other authors. Yes. So that is one of my number one goals because I had my challenges. I, I needed somebody to hold my hand. I had so many questions, so many concerns, so many fears, doubts, anxieties, and there were people who were helpful. And so one of my number one goals, especially for this year, is to help to guide other aspiring authors so that they too can write and publish their stories to inspire others. Amazing, and I've seen, I've seen your work. Um, recently you showcased um, another author on your YouTube platform, and that was also very helpful um, just to us as listeners and viewers. So thank you just for that great work. Um, you can find her on YouTube at, at Sandy Heron. Um, how do others, how can others get started in their writing journey? What's your tip for them to get started? Okay, the first tip is just, that's it. You said it, to start. To start. <laughs> <laughs> you said it, to start. You can yeah. start by journaling. I, I did that as a child and it's something that I still do right now. Whatever thoughts and ideas that come to your mind, you want to put that down on paper. Yes. If you don't want to write it, you have you can record it on your phone, just as another Zilla, the author who I featured, encouraged you can record your story. That's the first thing to document. So just begin, that is what I would say. 
Absolutely. You don't have to be great to start, but you have to start to be great. And it, it's just take one step. Um, start, start where you are. Um, we both share a mutual friend, Natasha, right? And that's one of her big things that they always say repeatedly in their message. Um, and it's a popular mantra too. Just start right where you are. Start afraid. Start exactly where you are, even without all the knowledge you may think you need or the expertise that will come. Um, thank you, Sandy, just for sharing. Um, you're building a community of hope um, and using your platform to educate others. Talk to us about your YouTube channel and how you use it to connect people and stories. Okay, so on my YouTube channel, I share the stories of different people from all over the world, whether they are from Indonesia, Japan, India, Jamaica, America, all over. And it's just giving people space, room, yes. to share their stories. It doesn't matter what religion, it doesn't matter what your beliefs are, what your socioeconomic or cultural background has been like. I want to, to hear your story. And it's oftentimes people have something to share, but they, they don't think that anyone will listen. Yes. Or they don't think that what they have to say is anything that is of value. And so I've always wanted to create a platform where people can just share their thoughts on different topics. And so the YouTube channel facilitates that and that in sharing when people are able to listen or to watch their stories, that they too can become inspired as well. Awesome. And you're doing a phenomenal job at it. Um, I just think you're so gifted in so many ways, in so many areas, and you're using those gifts um, to help others. And that's just simply, simply amazing. At a time when many are struggling mentally, emotionally, um, financially, and just in so many other ways, how can we as thought leaders and educators inspire hope? How can we help others build courage and resilience? Okay, for me, I remember there were times in my journey when I struggled as well. Yes. So now oftentimes people see the finished product. They see you when you are the author, they see you yes. with the smiles and all the accolades. But all of us have had to go through those dark periods yes. when we, we struggle, like being brave. You don't just get up one day and then you're brave. <laughs> you don't get up and then you have that courage. You have a process that you have to go through. Yes. So I think it's very important as thought, thought leaders that we never lose sight of that. Yes. Some of the people who have been most empowering to me are people who have been pretty transparent. Yes. If I think about other authors, someone who has written before who has said to me, Sandy, it wasn't easy. Or, you know, I was afraid, but I did it. So it's important for us to, to be transparent. Yes. To allow ourselves to be vulnerable, to share our challenges with others so that they can see that, hey, that person who you admire, that person you consider to be your mentor, they were afraid too. But even in being afraid, they were able to push through those feelings, those doubts to accomplish what they need to. Amazing, amazing encouragement. Be transparent, be vulnerable, yeah. Um, and just that person's be able to identify. Um, one coach shared with us um, last year, we were in a session and he says, Persons can't work with your trust if you're not relatable. If they believe you're perfect and if you have it all together and you can't identify with the struggles that they're going through, it makes it hard 
for them to work with you. So he said, be relatable, you know, be authentic. Um, and I give him full credit for that. Those are not my words. Um, you said it too, but I just want to give him acknowledgement for that um, phrase that he had shared with us. How are you taking care of you? You're living in a big city. You're in um, the hustle and bustle of things. Tell me what it is like right now in Japan. Um, take us into your world. What do the trains look like? What do the stores look like? The restaurants? Um, is it busy? Has it slowed down? Um, well, it was busier before. Of course, now you know that we're still going through COVID. Yes. We, we're still under a state of emergency in Tokyo and some other prefectures. Now, if I were to take the video camera and take you guys to the mall, I don't think you would believe that we're actually under a state of emergency <laughs> because there are so many people who come out, especially on a Sunday um, in Japan. It's a day for family. Yes. So there are many people who are out and about. But I mean, just as, as in other areas, people are wearing their masks and um, it's still busy. The many buses, the trains are running, the cars are there. Um, yeah, it's so hard to explain, to give you a visual of what it's like. It's pretty much normal. It sounds like it's still a buzz with activity because I know how busy Japan can be um, just from the movies and what you hear friends say. So how are you taking care of yourself? How are you practicing self-care and refreshing yourself to deal with everything that's going on around you? And um, one very personal question, how has, how has this period of isolation affected you? Um, are there periods when you were lonely? Are there periods when you felt like you needed company? Um, are there, were there periods when you felt like you wanted to be outside when you couldn't be outside? Um, how were you taking care of you and how did you feel at different points um, throughout this whole experience? All right, that's a very important question, um, Diana. Self-care has just gotten to like the top shelf since I have gotten to Japan because for example, like now I am so very careful of who I allow to have access to me. Yes. So for example, people reaching out on WhatsApp or Line, I have to assess, okay, what are these people coming with? Yes. Because if someone comes to me and they're venting, they're angry, they're coming with something that's not positive, I do not have that support that I can go to my neighbor or I have my, my family or friends to say, you know, this person just called me and it upset me. Or, you know, it, it, it just unnerved me in a particular way. I have to deal with that. I'm in my apartment by myself and I have to deal with that. And so I have had to be very careful in identifying my triggers yes. and limiting them. If I go, if I log into Instagram and I log into Facebook and I realize that, okay, when I see posts from one specific person, how do I feel? Yes. Do I feel discouraged? Do I feel angry when I access the news and I see all the people who are dying here or there? How much of it can I take? Right. And so in my self-care, I've had to limit the things that I, that I give view to, that I give my eyes to, things that I hear how much am I exposing myself to? So that has been crucial. Wow. Because when I go to work, I have to show up. Present and ready and whole. And, and I have yeah. to stand in front. When I stand in front of those 40 students, they are looking right into my face. Yes. 
<laughs> and seeing right through you, they can see, they can see how you present yourself. Are you coming to them broken? They can see the gaps, right? They know when you're not smiling as much. And they're right. like, Miss Sandy was smiling yesterday. Miss Sandy, you okay? Because kids are so intuitive. They have such good intuition. And, and I really appreciate you for saying that. I heard you say you're intentional with your time. You're intentional with what comes in and what you make space for. Um, you're intentional with your social media. You're intentional with your own emotions. And you made a very valuable point. And I think a lot of people don't understand this. It's like the therapists need a therapist. So it's oftentimes when people come to you and they offload so much, um, different capacities. Um, I, I have relatives who are in capacities where people share with them. And oftentimes they say they don't have a safe space to go back and share. Yeah. You know, whether you're a pastor's wife, whether you're a counselor, whether you're a therapist, a social worker, who is there for you? And now we're talking about a young promising professional who's in Japan by herself. And if a lot of people dump things onto you, who do you go to? Where do you yeah. go to unpack? Um, how do you unpack and then bring it all back together? And so sometimes we really have to manage what we let in. And I just think kudos to you. I, I, I give you lots of respect for just recognizing what works for you and, um, and your own capacity to help others work through yeah. some of what they need to work through on their own. Absolutely. And to, to add as well, Diana, like I have, I have contact with so many people on a daily basis. Yes. And I never understood like how real energy is until I became a teacher. Yes. You can walk into a classroom and you can sense depression. Yes. You it's real. You can feel it. You can actually feel it. It's like a real yeah. thing or personal spirit. Yeah. Yeah, you, you feel it. You can, okay, you walk into a room, it, it feels like there's tension and you're like, okay, what's going on here? And then sometimes it affects you. Yes. You're fine, you step into a room, you start having a headache, you start having a backache, you start feeling down when you were happy before. And there are all these things that you have to confront on a daily basis. So a crucial part of my self-care sometimes, and then I don't, I'm not fluent in the Japanese language. Right. I'm still learning. So a lot of my time, I am not able to, to speak freely like how I would want to. And so sometimes when I'm at school and I'm having my last lesson, I will say as soon as school finishes, I am going to call Mona. <laughs> <laughs> I know that when I call, I connect with that friend. Yes. I know Mona and I are going to laugh about the school lunch that we had today. We're gonna laugh about something that happened or if I feel down and I, I may need some encouragement, I can say, okay, I'm going to call another friend. Yes. And so that has been a critical part of my self-care. Just knowing who is there for you. Where can mm -hmm. you get your own refreshing and your own just rejuvenating and strengthening when needed? Um, simply amazing, Sandy. What's next for you? Um, I am working on another book. Yes. And for the first book, Journey into to the Unknown, that book focused on my transition from home to Japan. And the last chapter is with me in Tokyo, just saying that now I'm in a new city, I'm in a new country, and I never imagined that I would be here. And I pretty much closed there. But in the other book, I want to take my readers through the different experiences that I've had in Japan. Like, yes. okay, what happened when I lived in the countryside? You know, um, what happened? What sort of funny stories? And what did I learn? 
through those experiences. So that's what I'm working on as well. And, and as I told you before, I also want to help other authors. So you are a coach. I want to coach others as well. Absolutely. So one of, yeah. one of Sandy's um, gift is just how well she, um, I think how well she engages with others and how, how easy it is for her just to break down concepts and just to immerse herself in different cultures. And, and that's a natural gift that she has um, and how relatable she is, which uniquely positions her to be a coach. Um, and she said it throughout this interview and I say, reach out to her um, as she builds the second part of her business as a writing coach, um, other forms of coaching that she will take on just to help other persons accomplish what she has done. She has a heart for people. She has a heart for writing, heart for storytelling. I say connect with Sandy Heron. Um, don't wait. Um, you could just be one stop over from achieving your dreams by working with somebody who can help you to get there. Sandy, as we wrap up this great conversation, is there anything else you want to share with my listeners today? Anything we didn't want to touch on or any words of inspiration that you just want to leave with them today? Okay. Words of inspiration. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening. I can just imagine someone in their room right now listening to your podcast, maybe on the train or on the bus in different countries all around the world. Guys, thank you so much for listening. The first message, one of the first messages that I heard, I said it before, that really impacted my heart and my journey was just to know that I have purpose. Yes. That, we're, that I'm not just here on this earth just by chance. That all the things that I went through from childhood to adulthood, that it was not in vain. And I want others to know that as well. And even if you heard it before, I want this to be a reminder to you that you have purpose as well. There is purpose in you. There is something specific that you are here on this earth to accomplish. And also for you to know that if God leads you to do something specific for you to have the courage to go after it. And having courage does not mean that the fears and the anxieties and the doubts are not there. They will be there, but you have to push through them to accomplish your dreams. Amazing, simply amazing. Um, those are two powerful takeaways. We all have a purpose. And that once God um, gives you the courage or shows you the blueprint to do something, he will take you through it. And some of the amazing things I have heard is um, trust your season of separation. Another thing that really stuck with me was, um, was when you shared to be intentional about your self-care to be intentional about what you let in, to be intentional about how you spend your time and to be authentic and to be real and to be relatable so others can trust you, trust your story and to trust you to work with you. It has been my absolute pleasure talking with Sandy Heron today. I do hope somebody was inspired and encouraged. As we close this episode, I want to thank you so much for listening to D-Sharp Thoughts Podcast. This episode is sponsored by D-Sharp Coaching Services. If you know someone who's between the ages of 18 to 45 and who would benefit from my academic advising and career coaching services, please contact me on my website or via my email, and I'll be happy to connect with them. It has been my pleasure talking with Sandy Heron, educator, author, and thought leader. Do show us some love by sharing our podcast. If you know someone who would enjoy a dose of sisterly inspiration, 
Stay tuned for next week's episode when we talk to another sister who's just like you. Until next time, be kind to yourself and others. Thank you.